0: Welcome to The Exit Strategy, your no Bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hi everyone,
1: I'm Elizabeth Stevenson with New Direction Family Law.
2: And I'm Elizabeth's law partner, Sarah Hink. Thank you for joining us today. We have a wonderful guest. We do. Dr. Lindsay Oler from LePage & Associates. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Mm -hmm. Oler. Hello everyone. Thanks for having me. I appreciate sure. it. Sure. And we have you today to discuss a question that we get asked a lot what? as attorneys. And honestly, I do my best to answer, but I do refer them to <laughs> people such as yourself, doctors, We're such as We're not like psychologists. Yourself. Absolutely not. <laughs> but it's how to discuss separation and divorce with your children.
3: Oh, it's really hard, no doubt about it, and can be one of the most emotional things a parent has to tell their children ever. But one of the things I want you to consider, though, before I even talk about how to tell your children about divorce is the major impact of the divorce on the kids. This is a major rupture in their lives, regardless if they're 2, 18, 25, and they can experience it as a large emotional setback. So it can be akin to grief, just like a loss of a parent, grandparent, friend, or somebody retiring from work. It's a major change in life. So we really want to make sure that we touch upon it with care and with ease and with gentle hands, regardless if it's a 17-year-old or a three-year-old.
1: And separation and divorce is fraught with stress and anxiety. And parents always say to me, oh, we don't do it in front of the kids. They're not around. They don't know what's going on. The kids are smart and they know that generally a lot of times something is up. Do couples come to you together and ask these questions? How should we're thinking of separating we want to tell our kids. Yeah. So I have
3: parents come in together to ask or one person will come in to say, hey, we're, we're getting ready to prepare for divorce. Let me take some notes. What can we do to talk to the children? First off the bat, number one instruction, it's better together mm-hmm. for both of you to do it. I know that may be hard, but I need both parents there with the kids. So we're a united front.
1: And so you were talking about what happens at 2, it happens at 6, 15. What do you say to a two-year-old that a two-year-old can understand and comprehend about divorce and separation?
3: So, essentially, with a two-year-old, we want to keep it very simple. So, what we tell them is, mommy and I, our mommy and daddy, are having a hard time being friends and being married and living in the same house. So, we are going to live in separate houses for a while. You're both still your parents. We both love you. There's no... You're not any part of the reason of this, but we get along better when we're in different places. You are very fortunate right now because we both love you. You get two neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You get two sets of friends and we really build everything up. But it's so crucial there. A two-year-old doesn't know what separation or divorce means. And sometimes a six or seven-year-old doesn't either. So we really have to paint the logistics for them
2: and ensure that they know it's not their fault. And what else can we do besides that conversation? I always recommend clients make it fun on their new house. Let them design their new mm-hmm. room, room and create some excitement and comfortableness with this new home and the new family.
3: Yeah, and let them have their belongings from okay. the own house. So often, with one parent moving, not necessarily two parents getting two new homes. So you want them to create their new room, pick out the color, mm-hmm. have, have a blast but also be able to have mementos from their old group too. What do you want to bring? How do you want it to look? And encourage photos of the other parent and the family on that side in the house as well.
1: And I find a lot of times there's one parent that doesn't, I bought that, you can't take it to moms or dads or whatever. And that's really, I think that's so harmful to children to say, you can't take that to dads or you can't take that to moms. This stays here, but separates the house and sets up one against the other a lot of times.
3: Yeah, and we really want them to have security items to be able to feel aligned that they can go back and forth. So when they're unable to take those blankets Mm -hmm. or that beloved Mm -hmm. stuffed animal, it really causes them some stress. Because in this time of their life where they're going back and forth and trying to figure things out, those items really offer a sense of consistency and
1: permanency. for They do. I got divorced when my child was two and he had... Teddy Bear's name is Teddy. Great. <laughs> and I swear he brought that thing back and forth till he was like fourteen. It took uh, it. It really was a touch point and a lovey for him. And it was really, I think, it got him through a lot of stuff that we didn't know he. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Speaking of the age differences, teenagers. Do you notice any more challenges with teenagers when there's a separation? A lot of times, I see them picking sides more than any mm-hmm. other age group, and. Having a hard time going back I, and forth.
3: I do see that. And for a lot of reasons. One is a teenager has a natural, generally affinity to one parent over the other. If we look back at our lives, we can see which parent we're doing certain things with, etc. And that's totally fine and totally appropriate. Teenagers also bring about a lot of logistics. Who's A lot of stuff. A lot of I got bl- Especially girls. Band practice, mm-hmm. baseball mm-hmm. practice, right? Uh, girlfriend on the weekend. There's a lot of stuff going on. One of the things with teenagers that becomes a point of conflict, not necessarily telling them about a divorce, which I can get to, is really for parents being able to balance their custody time mm-hmm. with the teenager versus the teenager's time with their friend. That's where the right. big hiccup comes.
1: So you brought that up. How do you, how is that, how is telling a 15 or 16 or 17-year-old, hey mom and dad are getting separated and divorced from a telling the 2-year-old or an elementary school age.
3: So, the biggest thing before I even get into the teenager aspect of it is that we as parents that we're having this conversation need to check our own emotions, right? I should not be bleeding my emotion, my upset, my anger onto the kid, and nor should I be oversharing. That's the important thing. We have been trying to work on it. We we are separating and getting divorced and then it goes into the same type of thing you're telling the two-year-old it's not your fault these are issues between us we're not going to give them any information about why other than these are adult matters and i would argue at any age whether the kid becomes 33 at some point still not sharing the details of why we're not talking about yeah (laughs) we're not talking about these things with them and then their questions are going to be a lot of why. What happened? Did mom have an affair? Did dad have an affair? what What's going on? And then also questions about
1: logistics.
2: And a lot of times judges will order that too in the orders. You cannot speak about this case with the children.
1: Yeah, but I'm not, I don't think you should talk about the legal aspects of it. But if I'm 17, I want to, you're, you're curious. You kind of want to know. Yes. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. So I'm not, I think you can say it in a way like you said with the two year old. And I just don't get along. We're better as friends. We don't need to live in the same house. So you don't have to go into detail. But I think you do have a right as a parent to to share something, to answer some questions.
3: Generally speaking, but you're not given the details of how your wife or husband was a jerk (laughs) and spent all the finances and blah, blah, blah. And I want to touch on a point with you with that, because teenagers are inquisitive. Mm -hmm. And you better be very careful that your legal documents or divorce-related documents, whether hard or electronic, are under... Some sort of security because they will find them and that can easily tear a witch in the family.
1: That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. That's good.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned the older children who are of age. I, a lot of times I see a lot of problems with that and families get divorced, the gray divorces, and they feel like they were lied to their whole lives. What was going on? I and mean, we made it through high school. We are now adults in our 20s, 30s. And all of a sudden your parents, who you've seen together your whole life, are separating that can, that's all, that's always really hard for them. And I usually will have a client and either the children are deciding once again, even more so than the teenagers, with one over mm-hmm. the other.
3: Yeah. It's a rupture of identity too. Whether you're five or whether you're 33, the family you once had, while still a family in many aspects, to the 33-year-old feels much different. And another part when you age, not with the five-year-old or with the 10-year-old, but when we get to the adult children is what does this mean about me and my marriage i was
2: going uh, to say that yeah <laughs> like how like, people say that divorces are contagious like when your friends start getting divorced right. and you like start questioning, questioning your own am i happy what's happening yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and then like you see your d- yeah. get divorced, right. and they're all yeah. happier later and you're like oh, <laughs> oh <huh." laughs> what's that
3: yeah so it's also communicating to those teenagers and those adult children that you know you still believe in love And while it didn't work out for me and like me and mom, that one day it's going to work for you. And we believe you're going to find that happiness with someone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how that works. Going back to teenagers, what I find (laughs) is like teenage girls are very much aligned with their mom for the most part and they become more like friends. And so it just, I think it naturally flows into when the parent will start sharing things without really thinking about it and that teenager becomes their mm-hmm. touchstone or their support. And
2: teenagers are manipulative, I know, too, I know. to oh, yeah. an extent. Yeah. Then they start playing they to play the each parents other. Yeah. Yeah, to get what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you combat that in a separation? And, and no, like going into the separation and divorce, knowing that might happen, and how do you put your own boundaries up with your children to make sure they don't play you against the other spouse, which could easily happen. It happens when people are not separated and divorced. True.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does. The difference that when people aren't separated and divorced and you let something slip as a parent, right, negatively about your spouse, they're still in the same house. So the kid still has to live with it and resolve these issues. But when there's distance, we can create that gap more and it's easy to align with one parent. What I tell parents early in the process, especially with the teenager, is if you're really struggling with this or I'm getting a sense in working with them that we need to work out your issues so we can set those boundaries with children. So as attorneys, you might be referring some parents to therapists, like how can we keep your emotions internally so that it is not spilling over onto the children? Because really any slight can be added up over time as an attack onto the other parent. And we don't want that to happen.
0: y'all it's jen with new direction family law and if you've ever been through a divorce you may have guessed or found out that determining who gets what property can be one of the most complicated and confusing issues of divorce it is so important that you're represented by an experienced family law attorney who knows marital property law and will advocate for your best interest new direction family law has over 30 years experience protecting the rights of our clients and their assets We aggressively advocate, we support, and we absolutely educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. So give us a call today to schedule an initial consultation at 919-719-3470, or you can reach us at our website at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. We've got your assets covered. Divorce is hard. Like You need to be in therapy, and your children
1: need to have a safe place to go and talk about their issues and things. How early... When is therapy appropriate? What age is like therapy to help them get through the separation and divorce for children, would you say?
3: I have seen clients through separation and divorce as young as three. Okay. Because at three, four years old, we might be saying they may not be able to express and communicate their feelings. I see all sorts of behavioral things taking place. They might regress, might go to speaking like baby talk. I might have bedwetting. They might know how to cope with their emotions and be angry and throw things. So there's a lot of skills and a lot of processing I can do as a child therapist just by playing, working through family dynamics that can help them process the divorce. But also a child in therapy at three or 17 provides them a safe place that's also consistent. There's a lot of change and transition going back and forth. And a therapist is one person they can count on who's going to be. And
2: we do see, I do tell parents that Children are strong, they're resilient, and not all of them are going to need therapy, correct? There's going to be separations Mm -hmm. where we have two supportive parents that are devoted to making this as as seamless as possible when it comes to the kids and putting their best interests first. So any listeners out there, I don't want you to think that if you get separated and divorced, your kids are going to need some kind of therapy for sure, because if everyone's in it together, then it is possible to make a, a place for your children to be happy in both homes.
1: But I think looking out for those things that uh, are just about regression or bedwetting or acting out and those sorts of things, those are things to think about. Is it appropriate for me to get my child or somebody to talk to? And there's probably
2: like other problems, like are there co-parenting issues at that point? What can I do on my end to make this easier for my child, get my child in therapy? But what can I do? What can my ex do to help our children?
3: And one of the biggest indicators for school age kids from kindergarten to high school to notice if they're having a difficult time, is sometimes grades start slipping. Mm-hmm. Usually that's the first indicator that they're struggling with the transition into
1: divorced living. So what advice, not all parents come together and kumbaya, we're separated. Yeah. We don't get that very often. <laughs> <No. laughs>
2: there are out there. We just they they don't deal come with that very often. Or they're with us very shortly. So
1: is there, what would you say to a parent who says, the other parent's not going to sit down with me? Does your advice or how you say things change if it's just one parent? that wants to participate in that?
3: So the advice remains the same, essentially. If one parent's doing it, perhaps you give them an olive branch in your conversation. Daddy couldn't be here to do this with us today, so I'm gonna speak for both of us. But the biggest takeaway from that is when a parent is not there, if that parent also has the opportunity for open conversation, telling them about divorce is not one and done. Right. To leave the door open that you can come back to me or you can come back to the other parent, even though they're not there and ask us questions. Okay. That's
0: fair. I have a question with um, Jen here. Sorry, random voice popping in. <laughs> with, I don't know if this makes any difference. If, parents have multiple children at different ages and stages so if you've got one that's 15 16 and you've got one that's 5 well, the 15 16 year old's going to be more inquisitive like we were talking about probably more perceptive and assumptive as to what's going on so how do you set that that boundary of the 15 year old maybe not communicating in a certain way or talking badly maybe about one of the parents or anything around the 5 year old or i don't know if that's necessarily an issue but i had an age difference in my when my parents separated and my brother knew things that i didn't know and <laughs>
3: So yeah, we definitely have to set boundaries with the teenagers and it's really referring them back to, you can talk to me, you can talk to your friends, right? There's other things we're not telling a five-year-old about that they're going to learn realities one day. Think about holidays and things like that. In the same regard, we're not going to talk to the 15-year-old. not going to tell the five-year-old what's happening personally in this house. Right. So just to keep it clean, focus on the present, all That's of those good. things.
1: So let's say that you've you married early, you have a stepdad that's been there since your child is two, now they're sixteen. So they've already gone through one divorce and now they gotta go through another one, but they've become attached to this person. Is that more traumatic? Or is it just, oh, I know what's gonna happen, I'm okay? Kind of It depends on the child and
3: it depends on the family situation right. and the bond that they have with that step parent and whether both parents want that to continue post divorce, me. Really. It's hard to say. It depends family by family and child-parent relationship on an individual basis.
1: So a lot of times, you know, a lot of times legally they don't have any right for visitation or anything like that. And if you're one parent's in the middle of a divorce and spiteful, they may not see that, may not have the opportunity to see that parent again. Yeah. Thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So then it's processing another loss, another grief, Right. right? Another caretaker that we have to watch that you know we're not acting out we're not seeing signs of anxiety depression withdrawal those again are indicators that the kid or the teen isn't coping as well as right. we'd like them right. to. there's
2: a lot of complex relationships thinking about the step parent and maybe they go to moms and all she does is talk bad about the new step mom yeah you know, yeah stuff yeah. and i think that i just hope that parents take that into consideration And I don't know how many times we say it and Judge tries to emphasize, like, don't speak poorly about not only your ex, but the family around your ex and their new relationships. Mm And it's going to create a lot of trauma and baggage for your children to instill all these feelings and emotions surrounding these relationships. And when they're young and they don't quite understand and they look, okay, well, that's supposed to be love. But mom says it's awful and bad or vice versa. And just pause and think about what you're going to say and how it might affect your children.
3: Not that kids can necessarily express this, or teenagers. Sometimes in more of these conflictual families that we have, maybe not to the extreme, but just some co-parenting challenges. I find that the child doesn't feel like they can love both parents at the same time. Yeah. So there may be, for a period of time, there's allegiance with parent number one. And then the tide switch and there's allegiance with parent number two. So my job as a therapist is trying to create a place where you can love both of them. Right. You can be upset with both of them, but the tide, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be black and white.
2: Yeah, it's good to understand that. So if you feel like you're the parent that is not the most liked at the moment, <laughs> I like thought about it and understand that that it can be something normal that happens and stand your ground with it and not react also, yeah, it's, it's also a, it's a little sad. Yeah. yeah, but
1: it's also really yeah. hard that you got to keep your mouth shut when you want to say something so bad. And you, oh. <laughs> when, when I tell parents, you may—I don't know if this is true or not—but I think kids are really smart and they figure it out without you having to say anything. Yeah. And, right. and you always come out the better person, taking the high ground and just focusing on making sure they're okay and loving them and not bashing or saying anything about the other parent. But,
3: yep, and they're always watching and listening. I know.
1: It's- yeah, no. Remember that <laughs>
3: also on, on the same extent for the younger kids, the school aged kids, even a little bit younger. One of the things that parents often bring kids to my office for is, OK, they're having difficulty with the transition and it takes two days to unwind and get back to themselves. What's going on in the other house? Something has to be happening there. Not necessarily. It's just the transition itself. You go from one house with one set of rules to another house with a different set of rules and a different set of bedtime. It's hard to adjust, and it doesn't necessarily mean something bad's happening anywhere.
2: That is hard. To what extent can parents be on the same page about rules and bedtimes? We know in our line Mm -hmm. of work, that's really hard for (laughs)
1: them.
3: It depends on how amicable they can be and their ability to always put the kids first in front of their conflict.
1: And that's, a, yeah, that's the big step. But a lot of time, if you're the parent, let's say it's not 50-50 and you have every other weekend, then you get to be the fun one. You don't have to get them up and go to school yeah. and work on homework and I don't want to go back. them. I'm gonna, yeah. You know, kind of. Yeah.
3: Stuff. But it's also easy to be offended when the teenager right. wants to go to a football. football game, right? <laughs> yeah. And hang out for three hours with his friends instead of Exactly. Me. Yeah.
1: True. What's your best nugget of advice for parents to help them get their children through this separation and divorce?
3: keep your thoughts to yourself for the most part (laughs) when whenever they're negative probably shouldn't say it kids are always watching your emotions right so if you have to take a minute 30 to go compose yourself right so the emotions aren't overcoming and leaking onto the children that's fantastic and really watch what you say about the other parent those little slights really do add up and you may think that the kid isn't hearing it or making anything of it but they really are And then finally, the more information you can give them about logistics and how a divorce is going to impact their lives, the better. Because usually that's the question. Okay, where am I going to be for Christmas? What time are we leaving? And where's New Year's going to be? Those are big conversations. So generally, I find myself as a therapist, but you can do this easily as a parent, just making visual schedules, even if it's a teenager, so they know where they are for major events in their lives.
1: That's true. Kids are very self-centered and it's where am I going to be? What time do I kind of th- <laughs> That's just a so developmental. There's nothing bad about that. but yeah. That's a really good advice. I hadn't thought about it, about accounting it that way.
0: Early, I'll remember that. Earlier, I know in a different podcast episode, we were talking about custody schedules and you guys brought up that's holidays true. and we briefly talked about it earlier today. And Elizabeth, you mentioned in that podcast about how sometimes people will start out with custody schedules thinking, oh, well, we're going to share the holidays <laughs> and we're all going to be together <laughs> on the holidays. What are your thoughts on that, Dr. Ola? Do you think there are pros and cons? Do you think it's better to keep it separate for the sake of the children? Or wh- where do you land on that spectrum? <laughs> I don't have any
3: families doing the holidays together, I can not tell you that much. I, it's hard to say. I, I grew up with married parents, but on those holidays, we would spend time on both sides of right. the family. So for some, it'll just be natural, uh-huh. right? And wouldn't be a difference at all. We really just want to make sure that we're minimizing transitions mm-hmm. as much as possible, that they're planned ahead and the kids knows what's coming next. The more yeah. structure you can give them, the best. But you don't want to time it where they're leaving grandmas right before dinner is about to happen. So we got to put some into uh, the schedule. I
2: always <laughs> recommend that because a lot of parents, when they first separate are going through the separation agreement, trying to decide custody. Oh, we both have to see them on Christmas. And I'm like, let's
1: And I got to see them, them on their down. birthday. Like, they need to see me on my
2: birthday. It's not about you. <laughs> it's about them. Do, okay. they, do you think a kid wants to like bounce back and forth on Christmas Day? No. Give them two Christmases. Let yeah, them have two different yeah. Christmases. Full days with their family and one day and a full day with the family another day. And I think that's hard. Adults are self-centered too, and <laughs> that's what they want. They yeah. want to see their kid on their birthday. Yeah. And they want to see the kid on the Christmas. Yeah. And it's just it's hard. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah, and,
3: and Easter Bunny and Santa can find two houses. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can
2: exactly. Thank you so much for being here today. I think this was some great advice. It was a great advice. Thank yeah. you. And anyone listening that has, thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah. You can find Dr. Oler at LePage and Associates, and their information will be somewhere on the internet <laughs> <If you're> connected <laughs> with this podcast. Jen, well, <laughs> Or up you up could there. just
1: Google LePage
2: and Associates. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Or you can Google New Direction yeah. and yeah. Along, find <laughs> us. But
0: yeah, that's, that's some good stuff. Ain't that some. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. You can visit us at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the exit strategy underscore podcast or email us at exit strategy at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. We'll be back next time with more no bullshit content about life, divorce, parenting, relationships, and everything in between.